Don't say it. Don't you say it. Left. Come on. Need a medic? <laughs> I need a new set of lungs. Dude, you just ran like 13 miles in 30 minutes. Guess I got a late start. <laughs> really? You should be ashamed of yourself. Should take another lap. Did you just take it? I assume you just took it. What unit you with? 58th Pararescue. But now I'm working down at the VA. Sam Wilson. Steve Rogers. I kind of put that together. How you guys doing? It's the producer from Brother. Comic Book Show presented by Brother Comics, uh, where we talk about uh, modern comics and always have a throwback Thursday, really, to the uh, X Men, the classic X Men stories. On the line tonight, I have my two favorite mutants. On the line tonight, it's mutant number one. It's the Sandman. Sandman, say what's happening. First villain, Kanichiwa. What's up, y'all? All right. And also on the line tonight is mutant number two. It's the Brother Beavis. Brother Beavis, say what's up. Hey, what's up? Did we lose Brother Beavis? No, I said, no. hey, what's up? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm There's sorry. a little bit of interference on the line. Might be breaking up a little bit. Okay. Sorry. Has Hutch trying to join this podcast again? Because he shut <laughs> down, <laughs> down the last time he was here. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yes. Hashtag update your phone. All right. So, yeah. Um. Yeah, so we're, we are walking through the last couple of weeks of uh, Marvel Legacy, their Control-Alt-Delete restart here that, uh, that started last week. Um, so there's a couple of books here and there that we talk about um, that we've picked. It is my book again this week. Last week we did The Avengers, um, which really wasn't a legacy. It was sort of a legacy book. It was really more so like the Champions and the, um, the Plessy versus Burgers and All-Stars uh, combo. Uh, that they trotted out there. So that book is still going on. We thought there was going to be a champion's uh, follow-up to that because that's where the story continued, but not this week. So we're actually going to talk about uh, The Falcon tonight. That's our legacy book from Marvel. And something that had happened right before that happened, which was the Generations book that Marvel put out right, be right before Marvel Legacy began. So tonight, Falcon is going to be a big focus of the first part of the podcast before we get to the Throwback Thursday of uh, Genosha Part 2. All right, so I put that out there in the, out, in the outline for us ahead of time, guys. What are your thoughts on the comic book version of Sam Wilson versus the Marvel Cinematic version of Sam Wilson? Uh, we'll let uh, Sam man go first. Um, the, the comic version of, uh, of the Falcon is kind of like another version of Captain America. He really is. I mean, he's, he's good to a fault. I think... Um, in contrast, the movie version is more of a pragmatist kind of like taking it as it goes. He's a good guy for sure, but uh, he's not, you know, the uh, stalwart. I think that uh, um, you know, in the few movies that we've been we've been able to see him and that Cap uh, is, but uh, um, I think it works more um, better in the uh, um, 
movie version because he seems more real to me. Uh, it's not to say that I don't like the comic version, but it just seems like a, a more real version than the movie version to me. Um, that's what I think. Brother Beavis, uh, are you down with Sam Wilson or are you down with Anthony Mackey, essentially? <laughs> uh, I think, so I haven't followed the, the modern-day Falcon in the comics as much other than when he was basically just sort of Captain America's number two through Civil War and stuff like that. I, um, I've i always liked the Sam Mackey version. I think in um, in Civil War, I think his power set became more interesting but and you know he got he he had some great dialogue. Uh, you know he he does not give any of the other heroes an easy time. So I I've liked how he's grown because when it first started, I was like, okay, you got wings and guns, okay, and he didn't seem to get too many wins. So uh, I, but by the time Civil War came around, I thought he was starting to pick up. Right. right. I think they made a conscious effort to after Winter Soldier to not making too much of Step and Fetch It because he was clearly shadow version of, like, Steve Rogers. I mean, the, you know, freaking Winter Soldier ends on, you know, so when do we start? You know, we, boss. When do we, that, which will come up later, y'all. When do we start, boss? Uh, it's like, yeah, you know, it was kind of like kind of on the, on the edge. He's much more of his own character when you get it, yeah. even into Age of Ultron. Um, he's he's yeah. his own character a little bit in the little bit of scenes that he does have there, um, as well as, you know, into Ant-Man, even though he takes kind of an L there, too. They've, they've evolved this character to not making just, like, that dude, you know. like yeah. I mean, Brother Beavis, how did you feel even when you heard that Falcon was going to be in these movies? Because I was nervous as fuck. Yeah, I mean, it's it, there are not a lot of great wing characters in Marvel. Uh, I think, you know, one of our least favorite typically gets run here every week. Uh, he might take this week off, but you know, there's not a lot of great Wayne characters. And all he does really is fly in the comics. So it's like, what what are we going to do? And I'd also like to throw out to discussion how terrible the bad Avengers comic version of the Falcon is, too. Because oh, yeah. uh, there he's Tony Stark's little bitch. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's all about tech. I don't even recognize that character. Yeah, that well, yeah, yeah. and that's all too. Yes, noted. <laughs> we'll add it to the file. Uh, Sandman, were you nervous when they were like, "Oh, you know, Falcon's going to be in this movie"? Oh hell yeah! I mean, who, who, any that knew what, who the Falcon was in the comics was like jumped up and cheered when they heard that, and it was like <laughs> it was more like, "Really, Falcon? Uh, motherfucker talks to birds." At that ridiculous 70s. I mean, the first thing I thought of was that ridiculous 70s outfit he wears. And I was like, oh, hell. I mean, obviously, they were going to update his look, you know, to be non-stupid. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, none of us were, were cheering when we heard that. Yeah, I was worried. I mean, it, it, it gives all the more reason that uh, they should get props for making that character what he was in the, in the movie. Because I thought it was seamless. I thought it was smart, you know, about how they uh, pulled it off and how Mikey pulled it off. So, um, good job, brother. Yeah, a comic version, and, you know, Brother Beaver said he hadn't kept up too much with him. Once he became Captain America, you know, I spot-checked it as well. You know, he becomes leader of the Avengers, you know, as um, Captain America has gone, you know, to the wayside or whatever. I mean, he's actually taken that way, that step up, even though he does, he has the shield and he has the new uniform. He's taken on the role as Captain America. It's kind of weird. 
that they called him Sam Wilson, Captain America, colon, Captain America. But he did carry that role and that mantle for quite a few years. Uh, even inspired, you know, some pretty awesome cosplay, you know, at cons and whatnot, you know, because the, the character had done so well. I, yeah. I keep saying all these wonderful things about it because I know I'm about to just go nuts on it here in a little <laughs> bit. So before we do that, though, well, let me ask generation- you, how much how much was how controversial was he as a character as Captain America? Because I feel like they there's probably a move to try and make that safe because they knew people were going to be pissed off. Um, right. You know, was was he was he a, a reflection of Captain America or was he his own character? No, um, how about a little bit of both, you know, yeah. trying to represent the ideals of Captain America, but also, at least outside of the Avengers, at least in the solo book, oftentimes they were giving him things to do that were not, at least on a global scale, that you would think for Captain America, you know, kind of fighting a little bit like almost in a, in a Defenders, this is going to come up again later, in a Defenders-like manner, you know, mm-hmm. kind of taking on, you know, kind of uh, not always low-level street stuff, but also, you know, the writer of that book, uh, what's that dude's name, uh, Sam, and it escapes me right now, it was Nick Spencer. You know, he uh, had, um, he, you know, was respectful of the character, too, and introduced a political element to it, you know, about, you know, hey, Captain America was white all this time, now he's black. You know, how is that perception going to be? I mean, so it did have some, some, overt uh, tones of political, you know, relevancy to now to it as well. So, I mean, you know, again, I spot check read it. uh, I was kind of like on the events of when it was wrapped around another event. So, you know, it's probably something I'll go back and read on trade. But for the most part, like, I think it just, you know, they kind of tried to play it super safe as to not offend anyone that was going to read that book on either side of, we'll say the aisle, but either side Mm -hmm. of the color scheme. So, yeah, I mean, I've never, I think Hodge and I talked about this before on maybe on the Brothers College podcast is like, you know what, Uh, Falcon might have a little bit, you know, comic book Falcon might have had a little bit of cyborg in him. And the fact is like, ain't nobody really excited about seeing Falcon in a movie. Like, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't, Mm -hmm. like you get too excited about it. It's just like, oh, okay, you know, like I guess, you know, that's the dude that they're going to pick to be in these movies. You know, I mean, he's greater than Cyborg. Cyborg sucks. But, it, you know, it, was, it wasn't that all that exciting. And like I said, I love the, ele- the evolution of the character in the movies. And, the, and it's also part of the fact, you know, Anthony Mackie's just a really good actor. Like, you could put him in damn near anything, and he'd probably, you know, he's going to shine in it because he's just such a good actor. So, all right. Before we get to The Falcon number one, which was the legacy book, we have to talk about Generations. Now, Sandman and I have read this, and... Marvel put these books out as a kind of a connection between the traditional white heroes and the Plessy versus Ferguson All-Stars and as a bridge to those books to connect the characters. So there was one with, like, Peter Parker and Miles Morales. There was one with Miss Marvel and, like, Muslim Miss Marvel. Like, there were a few of them um, that were kind of bridged before Legacy started. So Sam Wilson, Captain America, basically picks up near the end of Secret Empire where Sam Wilson is going to talk about his time where Kobix had stopped time and he went back in, you know, in the, in the period of time before the, before the reveal for Captain America, um, the Hydra part, 
he's going to go back in time and see his connection to this character, at least through the, whether it, whether it was him or whether through the eyes of somebody that was him or whatever. And basically he goes back to world war two. He meets captain America. Uh, cap is, um, just been, he just turned into captain America. And then this version of Sam Wilson in the past has all of his, t- you know, today memories, you know, so he's helping him out like, Hey, you know, no, you know, you need a different shield and, you're going to be the symbol for these people. They just need somebody to lead them. Like he's giving him all of this information that's going to help him become a better character. Now it's also takes some, some leaps here too, because it's in world war two. And you know, he's like, he's one of the red tails and he still has his, like his, uh, his wings or whatever. And he, he helps lead the red tails into battle to help defeat the Nazis and all of those types of things. Uh, Sam, man, what am I missing from the beginning of that book? No, that was pretty much it. It was, uh, I remember, uh, well, he, he actually has, um, I forget the name he takes in the past in, in the war, and he actually goes up to uh, Captain America on a mission and kind of talks to him. You know, he basically comes to uh, Jiminy Cricket, and, you know, he's like, no, because Cap is, this is uh, clearly when Cap has just started his career as Captain America. He's still a little unsure about himself, and so Sam pretty much pumps him up with, uh, you know, the, the the dad speech, all the positives and stuff like that, you know, but trying to do. Did, did they go to the Magical Negro Church? Is that what it's happened? Damn near. They put, yeah, they pretty much. put Magical Negro, yeah, in the corner, yeah. you know. But dude. <laughs> I thought that was a little right. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, I don't, yeah. all. I don't send out all the notes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading all my notes, man. <laughs> 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 Golly, yes, it is the total magical Negro trope where <laughs> Captain America totally finds this magical Negro in the middle of Nazi Germany <laughs> without blinking an eye. And, you know, he gives him all the confidence that he needs to, you know, become the symbol of, you know, white hope for America. Yes, absolutely, total magical Negro trope. And so, But it doesn't end there. It follows him after the war. And just like, you know, his, and he really kind of played in the role of his father now, like Sam Wilson's father was a preacher or whatever. And he, you know, he goes from one war to another war, you know, where he's, he's you know, living through segregation now and Jim Crow and yeah. the civil rights movement. And, you know, he's, you know, this is a different war that he's fighting. And during that particular time, you know, he, you know, yeah, he's seeing, you know, Captain America as this, you know, as a symbol of for everyone. And, um, you know, even through the formation of the Avengers and all those types of things, still seeing that, you know, that Captain America is, is the symbol that everybody needs to look up to. And, you know, kind of not preaching that to his, his, his congregation or anything like that, but just kind of as the voiceover for the book, that there's always going to be a need for a symbol to bring people together, and he's going to say, you know, Steve is that symbol, no matter what. And there's an, even a magical kind of um, Saving Private Ryan moment where he, you know, meets old Sam Wilson, and, you know, he recognizes him out of the cloud, you know, hey, little nigger boy, don't I know you? It's <laughs> a fairly same moment, and he's still, you know, having to give him speeches to, you know, make him feel better about himself. A complete magical Negro. Completely. Yeah. So, yeah. Help me out, Sam. What did I miss? 
Uh, this Vagger Band's part two. I mean, it, it really. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't No, you're not wrong. Um, and like I said, he's, he's viewing all of this. He's literally viewing all of this through his eyes and all the events that Steve has gone through from Secret Empire, Scroll Invasion, Civil War, like all of these things and how it affects him. And then when he finally has decided that he's, you know, over it, they have their, you know, moment on the couch or on the patio together where, you know, hey, I'm too old for this anymore and, you know, you're, you know, or, you know. I don't know how they got to this point where Steve. Well, he doesn't have the power, Captain. He lost the super soldier serum, so he's gotten old. And so they're on the porch together, and you know how things have turned out, and reminiscing about their lives or whatever. You know, uh-huh. and, and kind of concluding all the way to the point where modern day Sam Wilson becomes Captain America. And you know, and that's about it until he that version of his character dies. You know, this only this all happens in the space of a minute, you know, because Kobix has put that memory in his head or that ability to do this in his in his brain. Um, but, you know, it, it might sound like yeah. I'm making fun of the magical Negro part or whatever, but this episode is actually really good um, compared to the one we're about to talk about. Um, <laughs> it, it was actually really, like, kind of entertaining. You got a chance to see the growth of the character, you know, kind of played out over over the course of one issue, you know, without having to go through all of the the junk of um, of Secret Empire. So, um, yeah, I, I highly recommend like the, I highly recommend this book. Like as high thumbs up as I could give it. I thought this was really really awesome uh, for him, uh, and yeah, I thought that was a great book. What do you think, Sammy? Yeah, I was going to say it's very much a, a episode of uh, Quantum Leap and uh, Star Trek because both of those series pretty much did the same thing they did here. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it's done well. Like you said, it's written well. And um, uh, at the end, I thought it was a well-contained story, you know, and obviously, you know, it's kind of an affirmation of uh, the, the whole Captain America uh, symbol and everything that, uh, why he became Captain America and and pretty much why he's giving it back to him you know, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, right. yeah, I, it was well done. But Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, and, you know, and again, Nick Spencer was the writer of Sam Wilson, Captain America, white guy. Uh, he was also the writer of Secret right. Empire. Uh, and he earned a lot of ire from fanboys mm-hmm. alike, you know, primarily for the, you know, the Captain's Hydra storyline. But, He's generally speaking, he's handled at least the books that I've read for Sam Wilson. He's handled the character extremely respectfully, um, and you know, and it, it was appreciated. Not altogether sure why he did not get the Falcon. Um, not sure, and that's our segue into our legacy book of the night, uh, the Falcon. All right. Um, <laughs> Dramatic pause. Uh, all right. Uh, okay. So, and again, if you're a listener of this podcast, you know that what we talk about a lot of times on the podcast, it'll come up like, hey, you know, we have this, you know, text chain that goes on through the course of the day that, you know, we talk about geek stuff pretty much while we're at work. Um, and while this was going on, while I was reading this yesterday, 
I sent out a, pro a couple of probably texts uh, of dialogue and imagery from this book that I was like, yeah, I'm not so sure about this, and I'm not really happy that I picked this book at, at, a, th at a point. <laughs> um, yeah. But to the point, like, if, okay, so a lot of people know, like, understand this, definitely black people. When you're reading one of these books and you read something that you're like, what? You um, automatically go to the Googles to see if the writer is black. Because <laughs> like, I can't believe like, a black person, no black person would write this. Uh, sadly, I was wrong about this. Okay, so The Falcon, number one of Marvel, Marvel Legacy, uh, written by, hold on. Uh, and a writer, that I, you know, because I did Google him. He is a writer, a famous writer, Rodney Barnes. He wrote for, like, the Boondocks. Um, he, uh, I mean, like, I, I read, like I said, some of his, his bio, at least on the Google you know, he's a famous person, a non-comic book writer that they have brought in to do the book, but that's what we got. So basically, The Falcon uh, starts off with Sam Wilson. Um, basically, he's in Chicago, and he is trying to stop Chicago street violence, gang violence and whatnot, and he is there. You know, he breaks up something, that was a, a criminal thing that was about to happen, and he's there to break up. And, and his, his overall goal there is to, again, like try to, to put a truce with the gang violence in Chicago. Okay, point number one. This is the second hero in the Marvel, Plessy versus Ar Ar Ferguson All-Stars that have gone to Chicago to take on the Chicago problem. Uh, Ironheart did the same thing. Her by her, her, uh, what is it? Her origin story has her father and her best friend being killed by uh, gang or street violence. It, it, that's a trope, okay? It, it's a fat old trope it, just to go to Chicago, and Chicago has all these problems, and it does, don't get me wrong, but it, it's just a trope. So I was like, okay. And then, two, coming out of Secret Empire, he was the leader of the Avengers, and now on his own, instead of taking on these global threats, and he talks a lot of this about, I face down gods, I've ta you know, I've taken on this. Yeah, you know what? Now I'm going to take on the Crips and the Bloods and stuff. Cause <laughs> why not? <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. It, like, it didn't make any sense. It was not the version of Captain America or Captain America. See? It wasn't the version of the Falcon that I was hoping or looking for. Uh, Sandman, kind of go on your initial impression. I still got stuff to say. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I was. I mean, it seemed kind of strange all of a sudden, you know, after he'd been fighting all these worldly uh, enemies and things, and that they all of a sudden he's in South Central trying to, you know, bring gangs together, call a truce, yeah. and then yeah, <laughs> and then stop. I mean, don't get me wrong, stopping street violence is a noble cause, obviously, but uh, it just seemed like kind of a little out of place. I just kind of like, well. What's this about? And I'm not even going to mention. I'm going to leave the his sidekick to you. But uh, um, you, I don't send you all the notes. I don't send you all the notes. Uh, <laughs> Brother Beavis, he has a guy in the chair, man. He has a guy in the chair. Nice. nice. The Patriot, whose uh, name is Ray Sean. I didn't know what the Patriot's real name was. I, so they basically made turned him from. He had he was Captain America's sidekick, but he now has his own sidekick. Uh, the Patriot is his sidekick. He's the guy in the chair. He's very young because he's the Patriot. Um, he uses 
young people, air quotation dialogue. Now, as somebody who works with young people on a daily basis, they don't talk like this, okay? They don't talk like they talk in Riverdale either, by the way. But they definitely don't talk like this, you know. Um, and it's just, it, it, it seemed like it was trying so hard to be hip, and yeah. it made it unhip, if that, if that makes any sense. Very much. It feels like we had this conversation last week when we talked about the champions. Uh, yeah. And, it, you know, just like just like these stories don't work out when it's somebody who's, you know, not writing about life experiences they haven't had, having adults write kid dialogue, usually not very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So is this the yeah. Patriot from, like, back in the first Civil War, there was that kid? Is that the same kid? Yeah, it's the same yeah. All right. Ray Shaw. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's a His name there's isn't a Lucas. That's a start. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is progress. Progress. Uh, My name's yeah. Ray Sean, but you can call me Lucas. Yeah, just, you know, <laughs> to make it easier. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of what's ups in there, like literally W A S S U P. S S U P. Yeah, and also a. a, a Shy Town, what's going on in Shy Town? I, I got something yeah. to say about that coming up too. Um, yeah, um, yeah. It, it's it's it seems very very like it's trying really hard to be hip, and Way it comes off super corny. Yeah. Yeah, um, so <laughs> yeah, so he explains his plan to stop the street violence in uh, in Chicago, um, and he's gonna go do it on his own. Of course, he's got a sidekick. Of course, he, the sidekick t- tags along, so they have to split up the gangs or whatever. He's like, all right, I'm going to take the, I mean, I'm not going to get the gangs right because I don't really care, and I think they're made up. Well, I'm going to take the South Side Gangsters, and you take, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I wanted to use the Chappelle, I wanted to use the Chappelle Show gangs. Um, I can't remember them right now. Right, so. Y'all Falcons need to cook up some cocaine <laughs> and shit. All right. Okay. So, okay, so Falcon goes to, to the Southside Gangsters or whatever, and he gets greeted by whoever the leader is of this particular group, and he's trying to explain his case. Like, you know, uh, I'm, this should y'all shouldn't be doing this. We're trying to make a, you know, trying to reach a version of peace or whatever. Um, the dude's like, you know, nah, son, essentially. And He's still trying to explain himself. He's in a he's in a whole like a warehouse full of gangsters, and you know they got guns trained on him or whatever. But he's still trying to explain himself. They try to go at him. He falcons them, you know, and beats them down. And essentially says, "Look, we could go down this hard way, or we could try this way." And then you know some of the you know some of the gangsters see the light, you know. Hey man, let's try it this way. But yeah. there's a line in here. There's a line. Let me make sure that I I quote it correctly. Because I'm not crazy. It's uh, the 19th Street Gangsters in the River Terrace crew, by the way. <laughs> Google is a wonderful thing. That won't stop, by the way. Over the course of this podcast, uh, Google it. All right. So, yeah. Uh, all right. So, once they try to take him down, uh, he knocks them all out. And then the leader of the gang goes and and I and I quote Woo Look at you go boy America picked the right Negro to give wings. 
<laughs> Word. Real, Word, yeah. Really? And and I think that's where I stopped and was like, wait a minute, who's writing this? Like, <laughs> that, that, I was like, I was like, I like, what, what? And I was like, yeah. I don't know about this. And yes, and then he also pulls the, you know, that you're not going to give you like power without using it against your own people. Situ- I was like, come oh, man, that's so what? He's the overseer now too. Yeah, I was like, stop. You're trying way too hard, and. He's able eventually to convince um, the Southside gangsters to, um, you know, agree to a peace meeting with the uh, Riverside gangsters. The Riverside crew. The Riverside crew. And so, but he sent he sends Ray Sean to uh, to talk to the other group, who's of course is a Span- is a Spanish gang, and you know he has to work on it. He- Bro, he had to work on his Spanish, you know, while he's going there. So he goes to them. They don't, you know, English is a second language to them. So he, you know, goes to them in full uniform, mind you. They shoot at him. He's got his shield, uh, you know. Uh, and then finally he, he meets up with the head gangster of the, uh, what, is, what is it again, Brother Reese? The 19th Street uh, crew and the River, or no, the River Terrace crew and the 19th Street gangsters. All right. And um, <laughs> he finally gets them a chance. He tells them the same thing. It's like, you know, come on, we can, you know, Sam Wilson wants to, yeah, he wants to have this meeting and, you know, try to prove, you know, get you guys together. And the Spanish people are a lot more willing to go along with it. But there's another line. Okay, let me quote it properly here. I'm the patriot, and all this fighting is going to get you in an early grave, early grave or prison time. Do I even have to say more? I'm from Crooklyn, better known as Brooklyn. Oh. Terrible. No, no, that's terrible. terrible. That's just terrible. No, L- let me tell you something, man. I-, I haven't known a few Chicago niggas. Um, if you came at a Chicago nigga with that stuff, you will get shot. Like, for, <laughs> just for nothing. Like, that yeah, is just terrible. You cannot do that. No, 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 no. No, that doesn't work. But... For comic book purposes, it worked. And, yeah, so he, he arranges this meeting, but not, in, but not before, though, you know, as they're getting set up ready for the meeting. Um, there's, you know, follow the, the evil white guy. So the mayor of Chicago at the time is, um, like, an evil dude, and he's saying that, you know, when, he, when Sam Wilson broke up the original gang thing, he was, you know, saying, you know, he was trying to say this thing about we're going to, you know, like really hard on crime and we're going to wipe these people out. Sam Wilson's like, hey, we need to take down the infrastructure and, you know, kind of build this up from the top and, you know, get educational programs and doing all these things. And the mayor, when he's talking to him alone, is like, hey, you know, you didn't have a right to say that. And Sam is like, I think that this is exactly what we need to do. We can't just throw everybody in prison. You know, you got to do things to help them and, you know, help them out of their situation, blah, 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 blah. But the mayor is evil. Let's just leave it at that before we get to spoiling the end. Um, help me out here, Sam, man, if I missed anything. Well, you pretty much got it going on. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, that's basically the whole story until the end, like you said. Uh, um, outside of the, the terrible dialogue, which, yeah, was extremely no- noticeable. I think I texted you this. Like, I, all they needed was, like, some of that hip, um, uh, roadie, uh, shoot language in there. <laughs> <laughs> that's all they would have 
Yeah. Yeah. And and there's a, and there is the moment of Sam Wilson again explaining to Rayshon that look, you know, everybody lost hope in essentially the world. Like, you know, Cap turning Hydra and going through this whole thing, it, it turned everybody upside down, including himself. And he's just trying to do some something to help essentially help restore Captain America's name. Or at least the the idea of Captain America. And this is how he's going to start. Instead of starting and taking it on on a global basis, he's going to take it on a much more lower basis to try to help people. And, you know, the way it works or not is, you know, I guess on how you feel about Captain America or whatever. But that's basically his expl- explanation to the Patriot. And the Patriot being his sidekick is, you know, going to go along with it. Um, I mean... I mean, that's basically it. Uh, before they go and have their gang night or whatever, they have a bonding moment where they go uh, into the city, and there was a – and, again, this touches too close to home for me, and it felt like pandering as well. They're like, oh, you know, there's a um, a Prodigy tribute show going on at some place or whatever, you know, Prodigy, R.I.P., former rapper for Mob Deep, you know, my favorite rap group probably of all time. And they're like, oh, there's a tribute show, and, you know, and – you know, Rayshon's a teenager, he's there, you know, whatever, and Sam's in the back like, man, you know, that prodigy, I got to go down to some of this later. I'm like, <laughs> what are y'all doing to me, man? What are you doing? It just seems so, like, it's, so, it's trying so hard. Um, it's hard. Yeah, but to wrap up, it also feels like there's a Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty moment coming at some point in the history of this book. I'm not sure who's going through the glass, but I think somebody uh, uh, might. Yeah, somebody there's, going. A patri- there's a patriot heel turn, sir. Um, <laughs> we are really going to have a problem. Um, but, yeah, again, the the end of the book, is they have their gang truce thing. Um, one one of the gangsters gets shot by the other gangster. Uh, all hell breaks loose. And in the final outcomes of trying to figure that and solve that, we find out that the mayor is actually um, Blackheart. Spoiler alert. Um, like on the final panel of the place, is he taken over and was able to manipulate the situation where you know, because he, you know, uh, Blackheart lives off of like the chaos or whatever. So oh, Mephisto's quote unquote son, Blackheart. Who's Mephisto? Okay. Is that is it that yes. Blackheart? Yes, right. yes that's yeah. So yes, who also um, was the first victory or whatever for Miles Morales, Spider Man. Also, who mm. you know, when when that book debuted as well, Blackheart was the villain in that as well. So he clearly does it like deep rose. Um, and his name is Blackheart. What is self-hating motherfucker? All right, so, um, yeah, that was Falcon, the Falcon. Sorry, the Falcon number one. Um, I would not recommend it. I, I cannot see me going back in for a second dose of this. Um, I can't see it. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> and that sucks because I got to get the feeling that Falcon might not be a part of the Avengers. And so now where is his role outside of the solo book? doing a poor man's Luke Cage, Brother Beavis. 
Well, sounds like he's going to be kicking it in Chi-Town, y'all. I think that's all he's got. I think that's all he's got. And I think think his origin story, he is from Philadelphia. They got gangs. He couldn't have gone to Philadelphia (laughs) to fight all the gangs. The Fresh Prince Prince with Bel Air told me there's a lot of bad gangs in Philadelphia. So, well, and wasn't wasn't uh, who's the receiver from Philadelphia had to be traded for gang activity? It was one. Yeah, she uh, really. Really? Because all. Yeah. That's Chris Carter was with the drugs from Philly. Yeah. 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 Big time. You have to look that up on the Googles too. Yeah. But because all I can think of is with Sean McCoy, and that's a different person. No, that's not he. Yeah, that's not. But, him. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just I'm saying I don't know that there's a role for Falcon if he's not a part of the Avengers, and then he's gonna have to take a secondary role anyway because they're not gonna let him lead the Avengers full of all the traditional white heroes. So I'm I'm very curious as to where he goes outside of this solo book because if it continues the way that it did here, this it won't be a long, it won't be around for long. It like not at all. Um, and then now you have that character. You know where do you put him? They're gonna be the mentor for the champions. Well, they don't want a mentor. So Deshaun uh, Jackson. Deshaun Jackson. Yes, yes, oh, yes. That's and he right. was for gang stuff. That's right. Yes, you are correct. Good job. A uh, hundred points for Gryffindor. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So okay. So yeah. So that's that. That's the legacy book of the week. Because um, we'll get to another one whenever the the titles come out for next week. Um, man, will you be dipping back into the Falcon number two Electric Boogaloo? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a word, no. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man, this is uh, – it, it, it feels like it's pandering. I mean, it just – it it just – and it didn't even feel real. I mean, they, the gangs just agreed to do this meeting so quickly. That didn't feel like it was earned. You know, I don't know if we mentioned that. And um, you could see where it was going. Like, they, who didn't know that they were going to get together and some bullshit was going to go down? You know, right. so – and. I don't know how I feel about his little patriot like sidekick. I mean, eh, I don't know. I'm trying the not kid to get there. Yeah, but it does. Eh, I don't know about that either. I guess I have to give him credit for at least trying because they can right. just say, like, oh, well, <laughs> like, here's, a, here's another white, you know, a white kid for your sidekick or something like that. Yeah. You know, it, which would have, you know, what would we have been say, saying about that? So, I mean. Right. I'm not going to uh, destroy him completely, but yeah, no, I don't think I'm going to be getting the next one. I kind of, it's kind of interesting that they took, like I would say, if you take, you can't take Storm out of it, and we'll talk about Storm at near the end of the podcast. You take Black Panther and you give that book to a non-traditional comic book writer uh, in Ta-Nehisi Coates. You uh-huh. give Falcon, who's you know people are more familiar with because of the movies you give it to or not Rodney Barnes or whatever his name is, a non-traditional comic book writer. You take, um, what was it? Um, like Black Panther and the crew was by Ta-Nehisi Coates. Uh, you take, was it Roxanne Gay was writing, uh, the world of Wakanda, you know, about the, um, the door Malaji or whatever that, that book, non-traditional comic book writer. You take, um, God, there was one more, uh, was it America Chavez and you give it to, um, uh, whatever that lady's name is, that Puerto Rican lady, and you give her, and, and again, a non-traditional uh, comic book writer. And a lot of the times when you see people review or whatever that are reading these books online, it's just like, man, the early parts of those books are a struggle. And I think we all know as long-time comic book readers, if the first couple of books suck, 
chances are you holding on for the end for it to get better are very few and far between. And so I kind of always wonder, yeah, you want to take this chance and give this person who's going to have a fresh new look for this book, but, man, you might – people are looking for something. And I told you all, I dropped out out of Black Panther with Ta-Nehisi Coates, like, after issue six. Like, I was like, I can't do it. It's too much, too much drama. I'm like, I need a a superhero book. And it was, like, political intrigue and all that. I was like, this is not what I signed up for. And this is not what I signed up for the Falcon either. This is just not what I was looking for. And uh, I was – I want to say disappointed would be the word, but I'm not sure if that's the correct word. Yeah, it just wasn't what I wanted. Oh, yeah, not good. All right. So we make the transition here to our Throwback Thursday book. Uh, We go into Genosha Part 2. Last week we made our trip to Genosha after a long, delayed flight ourselves. Um, Go back and listen to the podcast and why it got (laughs) delayed. Um, And we did issues 236 and 237. Uh, tonight we conclude the Genosha saga with issues, uncanny issues, 237 and, no, 230, is it 237 and 238? I think it was 235 and 236 last time, and so 237 yeah, and 238. Our longtime friend Rick Leonardi, is that what his name is, comes back yep. to guest draw this yep. book or no? Yep, this is Leonardi's yep. book. Leonardi. Yep, this is Leonardi's book. Before, but Wes um, McCall is on a run after this. Um, like, he goes all the way through the Inferno. Um, yeah, yeah. He, he took a little bit of time off, but he's right there. So my app just crapped out on me. So, uh, brother B, I think this was, this was this was like the when they were still twice a week or twice a month. Okay. So okay. yeah, so I think it finished off last time, and uh, Carol Danvers had asserted control <laughs> over Rogue's body, and she and Wolverine um, had escaped from Genosian uh, after they both uh, after had escaped from the magistrates after they had both been depowered. And so the, the book starts off, and the magistrates are chasing some sort of vehicle, and uh, they find out it's just rigged to fly, and it doesn't actually have the mutants thereafter on it. So there's uh, a solid several pages of dialogue uh, <laughs> to give us some background on the gene engineer and Genosha at a whole, and then we pick up back with uh, Wolverine on the run, uh, Wolverine and Carol on the run. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm almost there. Dang it. I'm already there. Sorry. Now I'll look at my note here. It pulls up. Okay. Now that went away too. What the fudge, man? I'm all out of the sorts today. Oh, okay. So yeah. So yes, they're on the run from the magistrate. Um, there's a whole bit. The whole bit about them not being able to be seen and whatnot too. Um, and then uh, as they escape that particular incident or moment or whatever, it's all going to lead back to them. Um, uh, no, I'm, I'm, I think I jumped ahead one book. Is The Riding the Mutant Train is the next book, I think. Well, right? it's the cover of this, but it gets to the... I think that's where this one ends up. Okay. Um, but at this point, they haven't made it there. They're just... They're sort of stumbling through the city. There's a there's a clean-this-up boy uh, piece of dialogue yeah. again, because... Yeah. Uh, you change, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of a mute... Yeah, and, and then, then yeah. their their Go story ahead. that begins when they cross paths with the gene engineer's son. So last week he got roughed up by the police, uh, despite being a white male, and he was uh, sort of upset to learn about his ex girlfriend was now a mutate, and so he's yeah. off getting drunk in the bar, uh, running yep. his mouth, and uh, Wolverine 
uh, even without powers, can't resist the urge for a good bar fight. So he gets everybody stirred up. And I think they end up grabbing him and getting out of there with him or somehow. Oh, no, they get out, but they find him dragged off, and their sense of heroism kicks in. Uh, and I think they rescue him. Yeah. yeah. So that, that leads into the train. That leads into the train. Got it. Yeah, let's go uh, back to what you had said about um, the dialogue from what like, it was last week, you know, as they were cleaning up the street. One of the mutes is cleaning up the street. It's It's accident, boss. Apologies. And, you know, not good enough. And then we still get a, uh, do my work good, boss. You watch. You see. Make you proud. Uh, it is and Andy good. drives with his feet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> throw that out there. Almost. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty bad. And, again, like I said, you, we, we, yeah. I mean, it, it's, in, it's almost infuriating if it wasn't so typical. And, like I said, I think I get what he was trying, the point he was trying to get to. Thank good that they didn't make any of the mutates black, like, at all. Like, that would have yeah. been oh, they knew. <laughs> everything down type of situation. But it, it, it's also implied as well. Like, it's so implied that, you know, you can't help but make that, you know, that conclusion from what they were going at. So, um, right. yeah. All right, yeah, okay, I'm back up. All right, so the other part of that story with was it patch and ace is with um yeah. wolverine and carol danvers in rogue's body is that they're having um to they're reliving like these adventures that they have lived together and i think we talked about last week like that's a book that i would probably read um you know uh, a book with rogue and wolverine or even a book with wolverine and carol danvers that would probably be a pretty interesting book but yes it does lead to this bar incident and fight where rogue Carol Danvers, uh, is able to distract everybody, you know, by the way that she's dressed and whatnot. And I'm not going to lie, uh, Rick Leonardi did quite a good job here on Carol Danvers' <laughs> role. Um, not not going to lie. But, um, yeah, so the Jean Janeer, he's... She's rocking the shoulder pads, too, of course. She is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. she looks great. I mean, he, I mean, he, she looks great there. Uh, but... Uh, the Gene Janeer's son is drunk on alcohol, and he's got alcohol muscles, too, and he starts this, you know, fight with one of the magistrates. Wolverine helps steal all these people's IDs so they can do whatever, and then they take um, the Gene Janeer's son and put him on the mute mute train. They don't, it's so funny because it's like they don't want to say mutey, maybe because it's too yeah. close to some other word. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know why they keep, like, just say mute and not mutants. Then we get this really weird scene with Jenny Ransom and the Jean Janeer. This is I've read this twice and this freaked me out. Like the way that she's drawn, like how scared she is, and the fact is like, hey, you're perfect, you know, hey, you, you you know, you'd be perfect. My dream of being a nurse, yeah, that's great. We're gonna take your genetic material and make your children uh healers, but not yeah. you. No, you're gonna go work in the mines and shit. Like <laughs> 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 oh golly. That's yeah, terrible. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, and all the players, all the playing up from, um, you know, from the slavery stuff. It's like, yeah, you know, they took their names away. You're 9817, you know, uh, Madeline mm-hmm. 9818. You know, take their name away. There's a whole, you know, bit about this. Like, my name is Jenny. No, it's not. You're 9818. Kuta, what's your name? <laughs> you know, it's Toby, <laughs> nigga. Like, I mean, they really played this shit up, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're not even cool about it. Yeah, no, dramatic. not at all. 
Well, she yeah. even calls him out. She calls it slavery, and he's like, yeah. well, you see. <laughs> Not he mansplains it away. Yes, he's yeah. definitely mansplaining it, and white-splaining it, too. You know, it, it's just <laughs> amazing that it he, even... he traditional comic book art writer did. Writer, yeah. traditional comic book writer, explained it. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely not the Plessy versus All Star, All Star uh, version of this. Um, so yeah, so there's yeah, so and then you know she's already gotten the suit on. Although I don't, I don't know that it has been physically bonded to Jenny Ransom yet. I think it had been. And then our other quick scene is this: the start turn for the change for um, for Madeline Pryor. Now, if you remember, Madeline has been kidnapped by the end of this whole situation the press gang got her when they were trying to pick up jenny ransom and just like the other x-men she doesn't appear on any of their um electronic stuff but they can physically see her and then when they try to use some of their uh, equipment on her you know like viruses come onto the computer and they're just not able to do it they bring in one of their um uh like a, a telepath to kind of get into her brain and um it just doesn't going to go well like at all so let's talk about this before we get into the X-Men actually appearing in their own comic book because they've been kind of absent a little bit for the last few issues. Um, at the time when you were reading this, you already, you already know, but at the time when you were reading this, Brother Beavis, did did you have any idea that this was going to go so dark for Madeline Pryor? Well, I had re- I had read it in reverse. So, uh, yes, I had I had been fully spoiled going into this um okay. and it you know the it was hard for me to even relate to madeline because by when i had stopped reading other people's comics uh back in the day gene was still around and then when i start when i picked it up in the future she was back and so even though you know she died there was never really a time for me in my awareness where there wasn't gene gray so this, I, you know, when I became aware of Madeline, I knew the whole thing was temporary, and uh, so she never really kind of resonated or stuck for me. Mm, okay. Yeah. Like, reading it now, you could really see, like, all the seat. I mean, again, mm-hmm. you can ask him about it at one of these cons. It'd be expected to get a 45-minute answer, but you could see the seeds <laughs> were planted long before, man. Like, holy cow. Like, I'm reading this. I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, without even them with telling you, like, oh, go back and read issue two, whatever. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, wow, yeah, that was there, that was there, and all these things. So when I'm reading it now, it's like, wow, yeah, um, how did I not see it? her about to make this dramatic turn, you know, that I know Sinister was all involved. No, but you could tell this wasn't going to end well for Madeline Pryor. Um, okay, so, yeah, so the X-Men make their reappearance in the book, finally on Genosha, you know, and it does say that in the book. It's like, guess who finally arrived? They finally make it to Genosha. It takes them like three issues to get there. Uh, Brother, it's something you brought up before uh, in uh, on a previous podcast. If you look again at the power set of this team, like, they did not set them up to be taken on like um, world beaters. No. Mm-hmm. And if, yeah. in fact, the biggest problem is like uh, outside of Colossus, none of them can take any form of hit. Um, and, you know, uh, Psylocke has has to wear armor now because she took so many L's. But yeah, Dazzlers, you know, can can pack a punch, but she can't take a hit. Longshot's useless. Havoc's mm-hmm. afraid to use his powers um, and has no defenses. So you have basically Colossus 
is the heavy hitter in Storm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they weren't. They're not built. They hit. You know. You know, and so they look great on again. You know, Sunday night wrestling against some scrubs. The magistrates aren't going to do anything against Colossus, but if they still have a hard time, you know, and they don't have a hard time with any of these people, and even. Once they get through this, I mean, there is no, you know, there's no big boss waiting for you at the end of the level either. It's just like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. And finally they get a chance to find out what's happening on Genosha when they capture some of the um, the, the magistrates and uh, Psylocke is able to read their minds to figure out what happened. But in between that or after that, they go back to Genosha and you see the lab where they were trying to examine Madeline Pryor and everybody's dead. There's a great shot of Gene's in there. Just you can see his, like, the frames of his glasses. That's a great yeah. shot for everybody mm-hmm. being dead. And, you know, yeah. I, I, mean, this, I mean, this is a pretty good filler book before the conclusion. Um, that's kind of how I took it. Again, as they go through the mute train, there is a moment here, too, and I, I don't know if we brought this up before, um, where you get this hint about Wolverine and his powers uh, and his healing factor being attached to his claws coming out. Um, and I, th- this was one of the first times that, I, like, I'm reading this now, and I was like, oh, I never, I never, I don't ever remember be- this being there. I remember him saying that after he got the adamantium taken out, um, mm-hmm. you know, about his healing factor, <laughs> you know, healing over every time he popped his claws. But he actually even admits it here when he does it here with while he's with Carol. The, uh, did that ever come out before? No, I think this was the first time. Yeah, and then the, and then the yeah. next reveal is once it gets adamantium out that it's not just uh, adamantium claws, but he actually had bone claws that were covered in adamantium. But yeah, I think yeah. that was this was all this was sort of the first time. I think there was the implication that he had to wear the gloves or they were built into the gloves, but now we know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I I thought that was like hey, that's kind of interesting that that came up. You know what probably. Hell, years before it came out. After he gets it, loses the Adamantium. Uh, but yeah, things yeah. and, they go, and they go right to it in uh, in the X Men movie. Like right yeah. after he meets up with Rogue, they they go right to that. It hurts yeah, every time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so they they get there. There's you know the fact that they they look like magistrates on the train, and the mutes are like, well, you know, what are you doing on the train? And there's almost a little bit of a fight, but the whole part of this process is just to get the gene engineer off, and they catch him there. And then the book kind of ends, like, literally on it, like, a, oh, yeah, and by the way, this book is over. And then you go to issue 238, uh, which is the conclusion of the Genosha saga. Our main man, Mark Silvestri, is back uh, for this this issue, and um, it is the conclusion of the, the saga of Genosha. Uh, great cover, by the way, too. Um, yeah, 238 yeah. looks awesome. Yeah, dude is awesome. Yeah, you can tell Sylvester drew that cover. It's very, oh, very, yeah. uh, very action-oriented. <laughs> yeah, dude is great. Uh, so the title of the issue is going to be A Revolution, written by Chris Claremont, inked or drawn by Mark Silvestri, and it opens up with Madeline Pryor. And this becomes a, a fairly Madeline-centric issue. Um and it really drops in again. I, I told y'all before we recorded. I, I kind of read into Inferno after this last night. Um, there's a lot of hints in these books that you know kind of plays out to what's going to happen in, in in Inferno as well when she finally meets up with Sinister. Spoiler alert. So um, anything that stick out with you in 238, Brother Beavis? 
Um, it's been a few weeks since I read it. Okay. Um, but yeah, we do. They this whole dream sequence where um, they're sort of reviewing the telepathic records, trying to figure out how she killed everybody, is is an interesting storytelling, a bit of storytelling, and then the fact. The tease that you've got the engineer in the sinister outfit uh, yeah. Is, yeah. is some pretty strong foreshadowing, and then we get—I uh, think this is—we seen. I think we saw a semblance of this costume before, but now she's back. We see her in her Goblin Queen outfit uh, mm-hmm. with her titties half out. Um, <clears throat> I guess that stuck out in my mind. Yeah, uh, but yeah, and, and, and then, not as a bad thing. And not yeah. as a bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I read it again this time, and I I feel like it just kind of. Well, speaking of Peter's out, like I don't I don't know about the ending of this story. I think yeah. they just ran out of pages. They're like, oh, sorry, we got a crossover schedule. We got to get back to America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, almost like he, it was almost like he was so busy writing. I was like, oops, ran out of pages. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But she, I mean, she looks great in this. I mean, the design for the Goblin Queen is delicious and you know for 14 17 year old comic book boy like she looks great um in the design you know again i have a strong weakness for freaking redheaded comic book characters that's not a secret for if you listen to this podcast but you know she even drops the name you know as they go through her memories they drop the you know she drops the inferno in there and you know and then it kind of disappears and then that's it and everybody's like shocked and dumbfounded about what's what, you know what was this? And then you know he gets on the wipeout about you know what did you you know I thought you wiped your powers out, but well, she don't really have any powers, so there was nothing to wipe out. And everybody's um, kind of a little bit concerned about who or what she is. And in that shot, when they see her in the prison where she's sitting there, and she's like, um, "What? I'm your yeah. prisoner nine eight one eight. Like the look on her face is. Lord have mercy. Like, you can tell. She has the power. She has the power yeah. in this situation. Yeah, I mean, the things yeah. have gone completely south for whoever's on the other side of that cage. They just don't know it yet. And, yeah, I mean, man, there's so much foreshadowing in this freaking book. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he, Madeline's in the cell. Um, she's not happy. And and there's the hint that she knows that she can manipulate this situation, and she has a lot of the control of this situation as well. Um, so yeah, so there's that. And then we go back out to the uh, to, I mean, really the slave quarters. Okay, so mm-hmm. in Genosha, the mutes take a train at the end of the night, you know, and it's not at the back of Massa's quarters. It's all the way out, of, you know, out of town where they take them there, and then they transport them back and forth, um, and uh, the engineer's son had taken that train. A patch and what is it? Patch and, and Ace patch and uh, were on the train as well, yeah. posing as magistrates. And uh, this is the first time you get a chance to see the slave quarters. And the engineer's son is the first time, like you know, I never knew uh, that this was going on. And you know, eventually they're like, um, "What? How did you not know? Like, what yeah. are you talking about? Where did you think they went everywhere? You know?" And there's a yeah. kind of like hangs with like. I'm like, "Yeah." Man, geez. <laughs> and it's not even as heavy-handed. It's not as heavy-handed as the Falcon that we just read. It, you know, it's really kind of eye-opening. But you kind of wonder, you know, Sandman. Uh, well, maybe I'll do this to Brother Beavis. 
uh, does average white male fanboy reading this book even make any sort of the connection between this and accurate historical events? I'm sure there. Oh, y'all, you have to be. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. I doubt it. Because honestly, I don't think stuff like that resonates with people unless they're connected to it. Yeah, it just yeah. seems like another story. Like, you know, it's like, oh, that's an interesting story. Like, oh, uh-huh. that's terrible that they put these poor mutates in these quarters and took all their names and lives and made them work for free. Wait, what? That, yeah, that, <laughs> that, that is a terrible story. Um, it, who, who is your history teacher? Right. Um, they round they round them up all on trains, send yeah. them out to the concert, to the camps. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. make them work free. Uh, you can't have like kids or whatever. We're gonna breed right. you, but it's genetic material. But like, gosh, damn, yeah, uh, it's crazy. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Um, but yeah. So he's he has his uh, Philip Morrow. We gotta keep calling him the engineer. He Philip has his white guilt moment finally. Like, oh man, that's messed up what they did to them. Uh, but that's about it, you know. I mean, he's really troubled by this whole situation, and he, um, you know, he <laughs> he's like, like keeps the like. Like that's what I was always taught. I'm like that sounds very familiar, by the way. Uh, sorry, you know, the, uh, sorry, you know. We, let's substitute the word that we like to use. Like keeps the like. That's what I always taught. The niggers. I mean, nigger, ner, uh, negroes, uh, 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 colors. Uh, 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 no offense. Yeah. Um, whatever. <laughs> so yeah. it just doesn't go well. And we, he learns all this stuff. Uh, Sam, man, there's a lot of dialogue from Mr. Claremont here. As always. And, um, yeah, it, it was fairly deep, like all, all Claremont books. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's dense. But, yeah, I mean, anybody with a brain... <laughs> could not miss the message that was going on here. I mean, they're not even being yeah. cool about hiding it, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I don't know. That's what I think. Just, I mean, they practically hit you over the head with it. Um, yeah. The story is good, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty heavy in, uh, in that content. So they head back to the – they head – go ahead, sorry. No, I'm good. Oh, sorry. No, uh, Wolverine and, and – Carol get captured and they get headed back to the Citadel. Um, back at the Citadel, you get a chance to see um, mutate uh, nine eight one seven and nine eight one eight um, start to uh, you know kind of commiserate over their shared experience here. And when uh, Madeline sees what happens to her, that's really kind of was the straw camel back. You know that's it. You know to see her get taken away. You know, there's that scene I said, Mutant 9817, time for another session. I have a name. Not anymore, Toby. I'm Jennifer Ransom. No, don't look so sad, girl. It's not as bad as you think. I mean, and then they take her off, and Madeline's last part in that panel is, I'll see you burn, all burn for this, or, or first. I mean, that's it. Like, this was over for them as soon as that happened, you know. And then there was the baby that, uh, Kal-El, that got snuck off that started this whole process. And that's also going to be another moment for Madeline where she's just like, you know, I had a baby once too. Yeah. I wonder what happened to it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it, you know, everything was kind of, kind of turning itself in the head. And, you know, and the father and the son have their, um, their, 
whatever about what's going to happen with the island. And that's basically it, you know, as before we get to the X-Men coming back, you know. what Anything I missed, Brother Beavis? Well, uh, there's, uh, there's the moment where Wolverine drops the, uh, I have been a slave. Uh, yeah. yeah. I was just looking and, at that, yeah. And Rogue gives a Scooby-Doo noise, I believe, is how you would translate that. And so the, they, don't, they don't go into that at this point, but that's another teaser for, you know, not only does he have claws embedded in him, but he's lived this immortal life and blah, blah, blah. So there's some uh, some more Wolverine business to be that's starting over here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the X-Men have finally made their way to the Citadel, um, and then there's the final battle, really. And again, this team is not built to lose to magistrates. You know, everybody gets a chance to shine. Um yeah, everybody gets a chance to shine. There's the the battle that comes from there. But it's really, I mean, this is a one-sided battle. I mean, even Dazzler's not taking any L's here. Colossus just... almost loses to a door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. It is. Uh, yeah. He switched, from, he switched from black panties to red panties in this one, though, um, <laughs> with the matching uh, wristbands as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. The design, but yes, um, it's all getting to this point where we get this other scene that I put in the notes as well about where we see this weird relationship between Madeline and Alex. Um, he's taking literally over his brother's role in more ways than more ways than one um, with Madeline. Um, and he finally goes back and finds her. She's there, in shadowed with this baby that ain't hers and butt ass naked. Um, now, most dudes would be like, hey, um, damn, I haven't seen you in a long time, and you're my brother's sister, and you got somebody else's baby, and you're naked as fuck. Uh, that's probably not a great idea. You know, not Alex, though. Um, he was like, hey, I'm into that. <laughs> so, <laughs> Girl, you crazy. I like that. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> Alex punched a lot of stuff in the porn hub to get that video. So, um. It, it 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 it's not a good look uh, for them later on. And again, that was something that I didn't see initially. Like I was like, oh man, he's just has this concern for her. But they go the full uh, Maury Povich, uh, Jerry Springer route. I mean, really. And I, I'm looking forward to reading these books because I'm wondering is is I mean, can any of y'all remember? Is there a confession where he's like, hey, um, I dig down your wife. Scott, my I think there's the implication that she sort of manipulates him, right? Because half doesn't doesn't a bunch of people get corrupted by her n- demonic influence? Yeah. yeah, but what happens to the X Men? So I think he uses the "what and me" excuse. Not Eggy. Golly, man. It's, it's pretty. Like, it's pretty clear that they make it pretty clear that he's willing, though. So uh, he ain't exactly innocent either. So I don't know. Yeah, I, would, uh, I mean, he's I mean, like, he if my costume wasn't a giant condom, I'd have it. In right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, like I said, I haven't read ahead. He was not like. Yeah. He didn't. He didn't resist that much. He's like, oh. I don't know. Okay. I mean, that was pretty much it. He didn't put up a lot. She didn't have to break his arm 
to uh to get there. And that's what I'm saying. I'm kind of looking forward to reading these books to see if there's ever this moment. But Scott's such a dick. He, he went yeah. back. Yeah, man. I did, too. It was cool, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, he's, like, it doesn't seem like that would bother him. I mean, like, modern Sky Dead Cyclops. Modern Dead Cyclops, that seems like it would have bothered him a lot. Repressed every feeling ever of all time. This Cyclops, he would have just buried it down, and it wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> yep. And had some great thought boxes. Ah, you know, he's my brother. He did fuck my sister. He did fuck my wife. <laughs> she was a clone. But this shit still hurt. Damn. I don't know. I mean, so, yeah. Work on he'd that. Be, he'd be so preoccupied, he might go a whole issue without talking about how he had to always hold his powers back. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Was she attracted to him because he didn't have to hold back his uh, his totality of his powers with his ruby quartz glasses? <laughs> terrible. Awful. All right. So, yeah. So, there's that. And then, really, the book just ends with um, the engineer making his, you know, plea. And they're going to have to leave, you know, because they're going to have to try to restart this island from o- island over again. Y'all will have to help me out on what happened with modern Genosha because my memory ain't that good in terms of at some at some point in time it does become a mutant a mutant island, right? Like and people wind up there and he's Mag- Magneto the leader or yeah. Go ahead. But then uh, then they get I I don't remember what the incident is, but isn't it uh Cassandra Nova plays a part in it and there's a they kill off the population or something like that. And I it's, yeah. I'm kinda of myself with some crazy shit that happens. I mean, nothing yeah, good happens. I, I think Cassandra that. Nova brings back some sort of uh, variant of Sentinels, and the first thing yeah. they do is wipe out Genosha. And then it's that sort of becomes the base of operations for um, Magneto. I think M-Day plays out there because uh, Scarlet Witch uh, creates a new reality with Magneto on Genosha and stuff like that. So. Right. Wow. Okay, so yeah, and then that's it, really. Like I said, they they leave, and they're going to go talk to the worst of the world and tell them how bad Genosha was, and, you know, we'll come back if you do anything, and th- th- there's your your ending there, Brother Beavis, and then, bub, there'll be blood. Um, that's it. Then, next month, Vanities, you know, and, um, uh, yeah, it does kind of end kind of weird, you know, because you'd think they'd be looking to help you know, set up a different government and, you know, and all those types of things, but it's just really implied. And at least for a few issues, and I don't know when even Genosha makes its reappearance, um, it's not going to be for a while um, at where they come back to it as a thing. Because um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the the uh, the X-Men, the animated series, when they were on Genosha, where um, I guess yeah. it, it was, Ask about uh, mutant discounts, you know, when they get over there. And, <laughs> and we said 10%. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of, you know, they you know they tell a real story there about Genosha. It's, uh, the Sentinels are really running it. Uh, with, I guess it was Boulevard Trask and whatnot. They have the, they don't have Wipeout. They have the, uh, the, the things around their neck to dampen their power. Um yeah. This, I think Cable makes his first appearance in yeah. X-Men animated series on Genosha as well. Um, you know, and those episodes, yeah, those episodes were pretty cool. You had, you, they showed you a lot of mutants that you would like to see, but you wouldn't want to see them in the X-Men. Was like Sunfire's in that. 
Mystique is in it for some reason. Blob Thunderbird, I believe. Thunderbird. Yeah, it was a a weird cross section of mutants. I remember that. That's also a big sequence for Gambit as well, because that's the first. That's when he sort of like plays off like he's a traitor. Yeah. And uh, Jubilee's all heartbroken. Yeah. Yeah, he does make the, the the save and rescue. Um, you know, and there's also Storm having her um, yep. uh, uh, her claustrophobia as yep. well. I'm going to make a nice snowstorm. Gambit <laughs> 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 will save us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she has some good. She brings down the dam. She has some good uh, good speech for that too. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, so yeah, it's a good good moment there. Um, so yeah, so. Yeah, check that out if you I mean if you listen to this podcast, I'm sure you've seen it a thousand times. But yes, go rewatch X Men the Anime Series. Alright. So yeah, that ends our trip through Genosha. Four issues, uh kinda in and kinda out. Again, uh on the back end of it, Brother Beavis, what did you think from reading it twenty plus years later? So I remember it more for the Rogue and Wolverine sequences. I do find, and, and I, I don't think I was paying as much attention the first time to the to the Madeline stuff, and I, I too, am looking forward to getting to that. But I find this ending so unsatisfying. They're like, man, this is fucked up. See you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, uh, what, what? I mean, they just basically said, uh, you know, it's a difficult situation. See ya. Yeah, we, yeah I mean, what's the point of sort of, I, I don't know. I, they seem like they laid out, this complex scenario, and then just didn't even really consider a solution. Yeah. So I, I, that that seems like a cop out to me. Uh, there's, uh, uh, I'm gonna hold that thought. Sandman, what was your thought twenty plus years later? Um, I like um these books, with, uh, especially the ones with Sylvester writing. They um uh, this Genosis saga. I do like the overall um, tension that always seems to be in the air when you read these books because um. Obviously, the um, um, the um, the correlation to the slavery and obviously, you know, uh, that uh, they laid down is ever present in this stuff. And uh, uh, slaves, people fighting for their rights, not having their rights, and all that. And as heavy as that was, I mean, I still do uh, uh, really like these stories. It's um, yeah, like Beavis said, the, the the ending does suck because I thought there was going to be some kind of reckoning. I thought, you know, they were going to kill the engineer. And, uh, yeah. And they just kind of like, yeah, like, okay, we'll be back if you don't fix this shit. Bye. And, and that yeah. was the end of it. It is kind of dissatisfying, to say the least. But um, other than that, I did like the stories. And it mm-hmm. leads right into Inferno. So. Yeah. I mean, and isn't that a good like, kind of way of, like, you know, hey, this is a complicated problem. You know what I mean? Like, this is a complicated problem. We're going to be able to solve it, and y'all probably don't want to read about it, but, okay, so <laughs> we'll just leave it. You know, it'll fix itself, you know. And I, I, I kind of, you know, kind of thought of it that way. It's like, wow, you know, nobody's going to want to sit and read through all these issues where Genosha rewrites his constitution to give, like, all the mutes um, their rights and responsibilities right. and whatnot. Yeah. Like, you know, there's nothing... There's nothing there that anybody's going to want to read for that. So they just kind of leave it at that point. And like I said, I'll be curious, you know, as we kind of go through the books to see when Genosha makes its reappearance and, you know, how far of progress that it had made and how many thought boxes it's going to ex- take to explain um, where it got, how it got to whatever point it is going to be when it comes back up. Um, all right. All right. So that's our Thursday throwback book. 
Um, just looking out at a couple of topics here that kind of happened through the week. The one that I threw out because uh, it happened yesterday, sticking with our X-Men uh, tangent here, um, it was said uh, or confirmed that um, Storm is going to uh, – she's had a solo book once before. Um, it didn't last very long. Um, it was written by, ooh, I want to say it was Greg, Greg Pack, um, Asian guy. And uh, so they announced that Storm was getting a solo book uh, to much rejoicing by a lot of people. It was like, yay, okay, Storm's getting a solo book. Who's writing the book? And then it was announced that it was going to be Ta-Nehisi Coates. And then there was, okay, there was some rejoicing, yay. But then there was also, when it was in Nightfall in this category, I'm like, y'all couldn't have found a black woman to write that book. Uh -huh. um, because it seems like there would be a unique voice for it. You know, now, Todd Hasekos has reintroduced Storm back into the Black Panther mythos uh, of the solo book, so he does have at least, you know, and he was when for Black Panther and the crew as well, but it just seemed kind of odd. Um, Sandman, any thoughts? Yeah, it was... Um... Well, I mean, it's, it's good to have, they, they do have a black male writer, obviously. It kind of has to go through whatever you think you like or uh, uh, do or uh, don't like what he did with uh, Black Panther and crew and uh, with another book, or was that the main book he wrote? I can't remember. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, Black Panther and then those, then that one as well. Yeah, it is, it is a little disappointing that they couldn't have, like, at least, I don't know, who knows what their, their, um, uh, process of getting writers in and what you know what they what they think what they do but um um i mean it's clear that they wanted to get somebody black to, to write the book but yeah it would have been nice to have that perspective of a woman especially a black woman on the book and so yeah and and that's what uh i got that same vibe from a lot of other people like uh i saw our boys over at black nerd power uh she said the same thing it's like damn y'all couldn't have Gotten a uh, female, a, a black female, to write this list. So yeah, yeah. that's pretty much the um, the attitude, you know. Yeah, we're happy. We're obviously we're happy to see Storm get another book, but that would have been that was kind of like oh, you know, would have been nice. So. Is Riri Williams going to be her sidekick? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> her person in the chair. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, Storm is an immensely popular character. Uh, especially with black women, um, <laughs> black and nerds, and I think and Doctor Doom and, and, <laughs> Doctor, and Loki and, and Loki, Magneto and yeah. Magneto um, and, Magneto. <laughs> and Ford and Dracula. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> damn, all the big villains of the Marvel universe apparently got the highest storm. Jeez, you know? we, uh, <laughs> and for the Ford time. But. I tasted brown sugar, <laughs> not in my oatmeal. <laughs> All right. Um, so, uh, titty residue. All right. So, um, <laughs> like the character is so popular. I would imagine uh, there is a black woman that has probably plotted out numerous issues of Storm. You know what I mean? Like, have, like has thought about it, has written fan fiction, has done all of this stuff for Storm. I don't know why they would, like, I mean, I, I'm making an assumption that they skipped over that and maybe they let somebody make a pitch, but it seemed like ta Coast was the nigga in the room and they was like, hey, you want to write this book? I, and gave it to him. Because it just doesn't seem like that was kind of well thought out. 
and and it, which is weird, and it, it was something that I, I said in, earlier in the podcast. Okay, so when they when they wrote America Chavez, and it's kind of you know even though she's an alien, it, it's fairly it's not a far stretch to say that she's like Puerto Rican. Um, so they right. fa- and, and she's gay. Uh, America Chavez is gay, and so they found a gay Puerto Rican lady to write her book. Okay, different that perspective or whatever, you know, it kind of makes sense. With mm-hmm. Iceman being gay now, they found a gay white male to write the book. He's gay. You know what I'm saying? It makes sense in that in that regard because that's a unique voice. You know, there's a unique voice that you have to, you know, to speak for that particular character. When they Even when they did The World of Wakanda about, you know, about the Dormilaji and a lot of them being gay, they found Roxanne gay to write the book, black, female, gay, to write the book. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when you got yeah. to this point, it's like, yeah, let's just give it to a dude. It just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's just, yeah. it's like, it didn't make any sense. Like, I didn't understand. It. I still don't understand. It doesn't no. feel like they tried very hard. Yeah. It's no, like, it you know, doesn't. Obviously, with, with all those other uh, groups representing, you know, uh, the books they were writing in, you know, and they couldn't find one. I mean, bullshit. Somebody they could have found somebody. I'm, I'm, yeah, they could have. Absolutely. I, I just don't think they tried. They tried. Just they didn't try that hard. And, they didn't try hard. You know, no, they didn't. Um, and again, depending on how you feel about Tyler Hutch Coach will be on how you like the book or whatever, you know. I, I'm curious. I'm going to read the first few issues, absolutely. But, I mean, Definitely. yeah, you know. And Hey, Brother Beavis, how you got, wh- where are you going to start with Storm outside of the X-Men? Do you yeah, that was, that was what I was thinking. Um, yeah, where do you take it? Where, take it back to Kenya? What's her road gallery? You know, you got you got to yeah. do some world building, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Because she's she has been so defined as the leader of the X Men, um, and even though she's had a lot of personal development in that role, yeah. What I mean is is she gonna? Yeah, I guess she could just go chase down Doctor Doom and Dracula and all these dudes just trying to push up on her all over the years. But but you're right. So what is Storm's world? Because yeah, you know, she she actually when she when she lost her powers, she went back to Africa and tried to sort of reconnect there. I don't, I don't know that there's more story to tell there. I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. If she hasn't. Yeah, she does not have any, like living family or anything, right? Because both her no. parents are different. Oh. Yeah, no. Except yeah. for yeah. Miss Nari. Miss Nari. Yeah. <laughs> Fake Jordan uh, jersey on. That's awesome. All right. Um. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm very curious. I mean, maybe they think because. Tanahasi Coast was able to do a little bit of world building with Black Panther, even though Wakanda had already been established. He was able to kind of flesh out people besides, you know, um, besides T'Challa. You know, maybe that's what they're thinking. And they weren't I, married while he was writing it or connected, was, was no, it? No, 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 not at all. No. just brought it back here recently that she's back in that book. <laughs> you know, and if you're going to tie her to him, I, I can't imagine that they'll marry them again. But if you're gonna tie their worlds together, then that's really just putting her in a Black Panther book, you know. And I yeah. would say Storm yeah. is probably a more popular character than Black yeah. Panther, to be honest with you. So uh, yeah, um, I, yeah, it, it was just weird. I, I thought that was a very weird uh, casting choice, so to speak, um, for them. So all right, yeah, that was my one comic book movie news note. Uh, just a couple other things that popped off here. 
recently. We're going to get a new Mutants trailer tomorrow. We'll stick with our X-Men news, and I'll leave it at that. Um, I didn't even know the new Mutants movie had gotten to the point of filming that they could actually make a trailer. So um, Nobody did. Yeah. Good luck with that. If, on a scale of 1 to 10, uh, Sandman, what would be your expectation level of this trailer? Uh, three? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. they, they, yeah, they're gonna have, real quick. They're gonna have a uphill battle with this. I mean, the, the fact that it's Fox, and I, I still don't think that Fox understands the damn source material that they deal with. They're not Marvel. They think they are sometimes, but they're not. And um, they gotta establish a lot. With, I mean, you know, they're they're kind of like the off-brand X-Men kids, and you know, and I don't know. I don't know what to expect from this. It'll be well, what I think. What I've heard is they're going to use the demon bear as the antagonist, and it's going to be almost like a horror movie, somewhat like maybe they're trapped in the mansion or something like that. Yeah, but that could be... It could be good. It sounds almost like a one-off, like the Logan was. But, yeah. you know, we don't know any of these... Uh, the, the regular world doesn't know anything about these uh, these characters, these kids. So, I mean, they got a lot of work to do. So, you know, this could be good, or it could be really bad, so... Yeah, uh, it could it could be Inhumans. Um, yeah, I don't know if it could be that. Yeah, no, I have no expectations. I'm at a zero. Brother B, <laughs> anything for this new the trailer for New Mutants? I mean, this is another one where, like, there's some of the character designs that appeal to me, and I I always think of like, oh, I should go check that out. And every time I do, it's terrible. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get sucked in, and I'm sure I'll, this probably isn't a run out and see it. Uh, this could probably wait until it, uh, till it comes yeah, on Red Box. Yeah, this is a Yeah. Probably. <laughs> probably. Probably. Yeah, this is a same level of gambit for me. Yeah. Man. And then you segued. And it just came out to here, and I just posted it to the Facebook page. Uh, Gambit now has a release date of February 14th, Valentine's Day of 2018 or 19? 19. Okay, so still enough time to bag out of it. So um, <laughs> we've been doing Brothers Comics for roughly two and a half years now. I don't think there has been one topic that we've talked about more uh, than that Gambit movie, maybe besides Trump. So um, I I still don't believe it's going to get made. I still don't believe it should be made. Um, And I have no thought or expectation that even when it happens, if it happens, it'll be any good. Uh, Brother Beavis. Uh, We talked about, like, the the shallow weakness of his story and his villains gallery. So, uh, yeah, it could be could be pretty bad. Uh, yeah. I was I remember being, uh, a, a, you know, for a movie that ended up with as many flaws as the 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 fact that he was going to be Wolverine Origins. I mean, that was just yeah. one of the many disappointments of that movie. But yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I remember being excited about him actually being in there, and it and he got punked. Yeah. So yeah, um, yes, he did. Terrible, very much so. Uh yeah, it, it's it's just not gonna yeah mm-mm. nope not gonna do it. Uh, and like I said, I don't even think it should be made. Like I said, I mean you don't even do it. Don't even do it at all. Put him in an X Men movie. There's a thousand of them coming out now anyway. Between X Force and New Mutants, 
Thank you, Deadpool. I mean, I can imagine you could throw him in one of those, at least to give him some some shine before you try to give him a solo. I mean, an hour and a half of that. Mm. Is there... Oh, I guess there is a, the next X Men is X Men Phoenix, right? Dark Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. this summer, I guess. Yeah, good luck with that too. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna crash and burn. It, that's good like luck. Right. We're gonna be a two parter now. Did I, did I hear about that? Uh, yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing good that's gonna happen from that. So. Yeah. Yep. Now. All right. All right. So that wraps up the comic book show uh, for Brothers Comics. Uh, you'll be able to find this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher, share, rate, review, all of those types of things. Um, Brothers Comics News, um, I don't know. That's about it. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I, I, no, that's not true. There, I, I did get information about two cons coming up. Uh, we'll have Paradise City Comic Con in Miami in January. Uh, they've, they've been very stingy with press, though, so I'm not sure about that altogether. Uh, and then we have... Uh, uh, Comic Revolution Con in West Palm Beach in February. Um, uh, I think that's all of my con. And, and I'm still waiting to hear from Atla- uh, uh, Heroes and Villains Fest uh, in Atlanta. Uh, that's in November at some point in time. I wouldn't be attending it, but uh, brother uh, Big Hutch and uh, Female Perspective were just waiting on the press application. I'm not sure why it's taking so long. But, yeah. So, yeah, just be checking out, you know, you can find us on uh, Twitter, at Brothers Comics, Instagram, at Brothers Comics, Facebook, at Brothers Comics. You can find Sandman at Sandman415. Uh, you can find Brother Beavers in the Ether. All right. Oh, we do have Thor coming up. And the early oh, reviews yeah. on it are off the charts. Yeah, yeah, they are off the charts with uh, the yeah. early reviews. Holy cow. Um, yeah, I'm I'm trying to, like, not read them at this point now because there's going to disappoint me when I go in there. I'm going to be too hyped. Um, so, right. yeah, we got that and Justice League all next month. So, not so much about the reviews about that one, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we're looking looking forward to at least seeing Thor. So, all right, so we'll wrap up the comic book show this week, uh, season one, episode three. Uh, we'll be back next week as we dip deep, deep, deep into the inferno. All right, so I am the producer of this podcast. I'm signing off. Sandman, go ahead and sign off. Diana off the Mutants, we shall return. All right. And Brother Beef, go ahead and sign off for the next thing. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. All right. <laughs> Peace.